All right, all right. Welcome to the Geriatric Muzzle Biters podcast. Uh, Sounds like Brie. I think that's that's for Brie, right? It is. She's so old. She is. She she's a a very very old lady now. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we talk a lot about you know training basics, but we also like to talk about having fun. I think fun is yeah. really important. Everybody. Everybody does better when things are fun. Everyone likes fun, right? But after a while, when you've been doing a program, even if it started out a lot of fun, a lot of times things get boring, right? So mm-hmm. this is what we're going to talk about today. Boredom, why you shouldn't necessarily try to avoid it, and what to do about it, right? Um, yeah. So we all know that like consistent work on basics is really important, right? And on the off chance that you didn't know that, uh, I will prove to you quickly that it's true. Okay. Uh, basically, uh, like imagine like pro tennis players, right? When they are practicing, they still, even pros practice hundreds and hundreds of serves a day. That's yeah. Sure that their serve is still good, right? So if it's good enough for Serena Williams, and you're not Serena Williams, unless you are, hi, Serena, uh, but you also need to practice basic stuff all the time. You never get to a point, even as like one of the best athletes in the world, where you can stop doing the basic things. You have to have those basics. Ryan's going to talk about a lot of the basics that he still practices, why and how, but these things are important. Okay. So then back to boredom though. What do you do? How do you deal with boredom? How do you deal with it? You just suck it up. That's all it is. You just have to learn to suck it up, right? Um, and in the short term, that can work, right? Yeah. But also, yeah. I mean, anytime you have something that's like suck it up or, you know, this is going to be terrible, but you just have to deal with it over the long term, that's where things get, you know, destructive. Absolutely. So I remember a... Um, I, I should fact check this because I don't actually know if it is the truth or not, but I've heard that Picasso used to always start off um, every single day when he, before he would paint, draw, or whatnot. We practice circles, drawing circles. That's it. Yeah. And just do that and just do that and just do that. And the thing is, it wasn't just a matter of drawing the circles. He had a purpose, and that was to bring awareness into what he was drawing and how he was drawing those. And so as far as dealing with boredom, um, it's awareness. And, you know, you and myself and even Jarlo, we're, I don't want to say maybe a little different than other people, but we actually kind of embrace that. And, and, you know, we can do something and do a lot of it, of the same thing, in and out, in and out, in and out. But the thing is, is it's not that we're just going through the motions. It's always about awareness, right? So I think that's the, the major take with this and, and looking at boredom. The um, being able to bring awareness to anything that you are doing, then I think personally, you are no longer bored. And yeah. so um, the thing with my dealing with my son right now, a big thing is he's really into video games and when we go somewhere, he always wants to bring his game. And I said, Hey right. buddy, let's, you know, instead of doing that, he can't take it on the train or anything like that. And I said, let's talk. He's like, no, that's boring. And I think, you know, you see a lot of people, a lot of kids, especially these days where they have to be connected to something and they don't have, they haven't had that opportunity where they've actually had to be creative in their minds when there's not something in front of them that they're doing. And I think a lot of times that, um, can equate to boredom. Uh, you and I, uh, Jarlo, very active minds. Um, even when we're, you know, sitting there and it looks like we're not doing anything, uh, other people might think, you know, aren't you bored or something when you're doing something? But we have a very active mind when we're doing that because we're looking at being aware of whatever, whatever is going on. So again, it just really comes down to, I think, awareness um, of what you're doing. Also, having a purpose. For that particular thing that you're doing and so rather than trying to do too many of one thing i think that it has to all be done at that time just focus on one single thing within that movement within that that, that thing that you're writing that thing that you're creating um, when you're going for a walk or something like that so 
that awareness with a purpose, right. I think, is, uh, is a big part of this. I think that's actually a really good point, too. A lot of times, boredom isn't a reaction to the, the state of the present moment so much as it's uh, a feeling of missing out on other things you could be doing on yes. other yes. stimulating things. Yes. Oh, I'm bored because I feel like I should be doing more things. I feel like I should be doing other things. I should be changing it up. I should be getting more of this and that and doing some other thing. I'm bored because I don't have a video in front of me entertaining me constantly. Right. Right. Uh, you're not bored because of where you're sitting and what you're doing. You're bored because of what you think you're missing out on a lot of times. That is such a huge point. And um, we see this so much. I mean, especially with, with Instagram and you see the new flashy things and think that you need to be doing something else. And uh, there's a quote that, that I came across the other day and I've heard this a few times, but it's from Blaise Pascal and it's actually from 1654. And he said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quiet, quietly in a room alone. Now we can go off and talk about, you know, a different, um, you know, meaning behind that. But I just always thought that was interesting because that's actually what we do see a lot these days where people can't be with themselves. And just like what you said, there needs to be something in front of them to stimulate them in order to keep them from being bored. I tell you what, I love not having anything in front of me yeah. <laughs> or being around anybody, you know, when I can, because to me, really, that's, that's my time to, to just think and, and, and do the things I want. This is also why I actually love being on airplanes without Wi-Fi or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, there's so many people around me, but the thing is, is I can actually just sit there and not be bored because I can sit with my thoughts and um, just be. So that could be a whole other topic, of course, but really today we're talking about um, looking at some things that we can do um, in order to help reframe the way that we look at this, um, especially when we're performing the basics, which are so important because in order to get good at anything, you need to get in as many quality uh, repetitions as possible. And so you're always, you know, you should always be coming back to the basics. And I want to say coming back to the basics doesn't mean that you're dropping down a level. You're looking at coming back to those basics on a higher right. um, level because you actually have a higher, um, the knowledge that you carry back when you look at those basics again is at a higher level. So it's actually an upward spiral, if you will, when you're returning to those basics. Yeah. And I mean, and just to take this logically, uh, you know, like you said, Ryan, that, you know, getting a, a lot of quality reps of almost anything is good for you, right? More repetitions of doing something well. Well, the thing yes. is when you're doing something new, when you're doing something that you haven't done before or haven't done very much of, well, you're not going to do it as well as the things that you've done before. Right. So this is one reason why continuing to return to basics at that higher level of skill and awareness and knowledge uh, with more strength, with more mobility, with more control, right? Being able to return to basics where you are now, you know, as somebody who has that practice behind them and uh, gives you a chance to get more quality practice in than on stuff that is new. And we're not saying don't do new things because the more you do those, then you'll also get better at them too, right? Right. But you can sort of stack things in your favor. You can build your your sort of reservoir of quality reps on the basics much more easily and much more quickly than you can on newer things or more challenging things or things that you're still working on. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. This isn't none of this is to say that novelty is a bad thing. None of this mm, is yeah, no. be excited or do new things or move forward. Uh, but uh, if you're always doing different things, always doing new things, always moving forward, always seeking novelty, well, that also doesn't lead to progress. Right. You end right. up just doing a lot of things but not getting better at them. And I think uh, pretty much anybody listening to this has had that experience where they've done things, they've been adding things, they've done more, they've worked harder, they've worked longer, added more stuff to the routine, yeah, moving, and you know, felt like they were in that red queen effect where you have to yeah. move faster and faster just to stay in the same place. 
Right. You know, progress comes from repeating things. Yes. yes. Progress comes from repeating things. And so that's just, you need a balance between these two. So if you're somebody who is chronically seeking novelty, somebody who has a hard time with doing repetition with basics, with continuing to do those things, then hopefully some of the some of the kind of tips and, and tricks and tactics that we're going to talk about later on will help you be able to sort of get past that so that you can get the benefit of uh, re- repetition, of repetition, yes. of yeah. that base of stuff that helps you be better. So that when now this is yeah. novelty that you're improving still. Yes. And this is a great lead in. Actually, we can give you a, a case study, if you will. So uh, in the Alpha Posse, uh, Kevin, uh, he has a, a log in, in his log, he uh, training log. It's, he calls it the old man in the rings. And um, this is a really interesting one because he's started and then stopped. Um, our programs and basically jumping from one another when he got to a certain point and then when things really started, he needed to kind of like, you know, put his chin down and do the work. You, you know, the novelty of something else was jumping in front of him. So he mm-hmm. would go from there. It wasn't until he actually completed a full program that he realized, wow, if I stick with it, I'm going to be pretty darn good. And so thanks to that and sticking with it one time and understanding that, he needed to finish that rather than jumping on to something different. Um, that helped to create that base for him to be able to continue on with the other things. And so I thought that was very interesting. And, uh, you know, there's other people I'm sure like that. I mean, if you just look at, let's look at ourselves, you know, ourselves, I meaning like the listener, you know, I'm sure there are things out there where you started a program and you're a couple weeks into your training program. And you say, Hey, you know, in the very beginning, there's that honeymoon period. And you're like, wow, this is really, really cool. And, you know, two to three weeks into it, you're like, okay, it's still okay, but, you know, I kind of want to do something else or whatnot. So you jump onto the another program, and the same thing happens. You realize that you're really not making progress in anything. Instead, you know, what we're going to be talking about today, the base of today is saying, okay, let's stick with one thing and get really good at that. And that's going to help to further strengthen our base of whatever it is you're doing so by doing that it's actually going to allow you to pick up those other things faster um thanks to the fact that you have stuck with um creating that solid base and sticking with one thing even though it might have been a bit boring for you and um yeah let's just kind of get into it really and talk a little bit about you know developing the capacity for boredom for boredom yeah i mean this is the thing is you know, we can, we can give you lots of examples of things to, to make things more interesting, to help keep basic practice more interesting, but you are going to also have to learn how to build your capacity for boredom. Uh, because, you know, like we said, boredom isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just a thing that reminds us that we're not doing other things. Uh, you know, so like one thing is, you know, you just have to practice being bored. Yes. You find that you're bored. Yes. Don't say, oh my God, what do I do? How do I stop being bored? Say, okay, I'm bored. Right? Just, you know, that's, that's one thing. And we do this with a lot of stuff. When we notice that we're, you know, in a certain state, we just try to change it. Oh, I'm angry. I need to stop being angry. Anger, anger is bad. Well, maybe you can feel your anger and learn how to deal with it and how to control it and how to, you know, have a mature response to that. Exactly. Um, you, know, you first need to be aware of it, though, is what you're right. saying, right? So you it have comes to be back aware to that awareness. Of yeah. And then, you know, practice being bored. And I'll be honest, practice being bored sounds basically like my entire high school career. Uh, you know, it's not something that uh, sounds like I want to repeat. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a thing that you just have to spend time being bored and then teaching yourself right. that you can be okay with that, that it's okay to be bored with something and still get value out of the practice. For example, if let's just say you're practicing push-ups, right? You have push-ups in your program. Yeah. You see these people with their 80,000 push-up variations on the YouTubes and you think, oh man, I don't know these regular push-ups are so boring. Maybe I should be doing these other things. Well, maybe that's an opportunity to just practice doing them and say, okay, I will be bored doing these push-ups. But then also recognize when you're getting stronger and that they become easier. 
give, let yourself understand that that boredom also has uh, on the other side of the equation, it has a payoff. Yes, yes. And if you, if you can be aware, not just of the boredom itself, but of the payoff for it, sometimes that can give you all you need to balance that sort of feeling of, of missing out, that you're not missing out, that you are right. getting out of it. Right. And, and the thing is, too, you know, we talk about this quite a bit, is spending more time on the basics is actually going to lead naturally to you getting those higher skills. Whereas if you were to try and just do a different variation or jump into a higher progression, it might actually take you longer to get that simply because you don't have those basics down. You didn't stay in that state of boredom, if you will, in order to give yourself enough time to really, really understand what was going on in that particular movement. And so what you said too, I think is wonderful because if you do understand that it is leading to something, it's your why. And, and it's easier to actually continue to be in that bored state, if you will, spend more time doing those push-ups. If you do understand that, okay, if I do this, it's going to give me X or whatever for that. So, yeah. Yeah, another thing is just accountability, like, uh, you know, having somebody check in on you. And that doesn't mean you right. have to have somebody stand over you while you do boring exercises, <laughs> right? But, you know, just, you know, have somebody check in, like, did you do, did you do the thing? Did you do the stuff? Yep. Yep. Me, right yep. now I'm trying to, I've never really studied kanji very much in Japanese. Mm. I'm focused, you know, pretty much on, Spoken Japanese, I can read a little bit, but not very well. Uh, but lately, I've been trying to work on, you know, starting from an elementary school level again, and just practicing writing the letters, right? That's and, great. And type things up, and you know, the software just brings up the word. You don't have to memorize the letters, exactly. Right. But I'm trying to practice writing these letters so that I can, you know, really understand them better and get better at Japanese. And this is tedious and it's hard, and I hate it, and it's so. <laughs> boring but the accountability is i do this when my daughter is doing her homework oh that's great and so that's when she's really doing good. her homework i sit down and take out my drill book and work on it too and that's really cool you know uh that gives me a little bit of accountability to be able to you know do that even though i do not enjoy it at all <laughs> oh nice man that's really good you know i remember when i was learning japanese all those years ago i remember that's all I did is I just wrote everything down. I didn't, yeah. I mean, shit back then, I don't even think I had a computer with me in Japan to be honest. But, but I remember like for me though, it was actually exciting. Like a lot of people would have looked at that as like, ah, oh, it's tedious. It's boring. But I saw kind of the end where I wanted to go with right. it. And so it kept me really going. And I think, you know, thanks to that, it really skyrocketed my um, level of Japanese quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what are yeah, some other boring things you've done that have had payoffs? Let's just, you know, specific yeah. examples. So people, you know, you know, this isn't just a vague thing, like do the basics a lot. What are some right. specific no. things that yeah. you've done that were boring that you, that stayed boring that you kept doing anyway yeah. and paid off? Yeah. Well, um, a big thing with me was, um, Zen meditation. And so when I first did that, um, I actually wasn't going into it because I wanted to do Zen meditation. It was, it was a part of, of what I was doing in my experience in Japan that first time I was here. And this was actually through my martial art. And I was wanting just to focus on the martial art, but that martial art focus of it was the Zen meditation. So I remember before and after, so you would sit in Zen um, Zazen is what it's called and you would do it before practice and you do it afterwards and it's pretty long and I remember I was just like let's hurry up and get to the good stuff and I yeah. realized that that actually was the good stuff but it took me a really long time to get that and I was bored to shit man and I remember falling asleep there are numerous times where I fall asleep and just get smacked because you know you fall asleep and they, the kids yeah. are walking by and they know you're asleep and it's pow and they would smack you on the shoulder and, um, yeah, that was one thing. Uh, let's see. Other thing, riding in the train every single day. I remember when I was working um, at the martial arts complex, and I would have to ride the train. It was about 45 minutes because I live a ways away. And I remember getting on the train, and it was so packed with people. And in the beginning, it was that I didn't 
enjoy it. That was the first like week or so. But then mm -hmm. after that, it just gets redundant. And so you're just kind of like, Ugh, so boring. But I actually ended up really, really enjoying it. And it changed because I actually was like, okay, there's a lot of people on the train that I can like look at and, you know, whatever. But I actually, it's funny that I mentioned the Zen meditation because I actually started using that um, as an opportunity for me to meditate during that 45 minutes that I was on the train. Mm -hmm. Stretching and still to this day, oh. stretching to me, holy Stretching shit. is so boring. I'm just like, oh, I really, really, like, for example, the bridge. I mean, just, every, I just, I'm going to say to everybody, like, I don't like stretching. I know how important it is. It's great. It's going to help you, everything. But still to this day, this morning, uh, I had a really early meeting this morning. After my meeting, I just needed to get out. So I went for a walk for 90 minutes. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to stretch. The reason I, I stretched is because my hip flexors were so tight. And I was just like, I just got to do it. And I did. And I ended up doing it. But again, this is just that one thing still to this day where I'm yep. just like, ugh. You know, the other thing too is uh, yesterday when I was in my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, group that I have, we always do the same warm-up basics. Mm -hmm. And um, and a lot of people would be like, well, shouldn't you mix it up? And things. I'm like, no. And the reason why is because we are drilling. So those become part of the drills. And so what I mean by warm-up, I'm talking like, for example, we focus on the same um, leg drag. We focus on the same knee to belly with wiper over. And so those certain things that actually is going to help us for when we're learning new things down the line by making sure we're focusing on the basics and doing that. Other thing with GMB, I still do bear monkey frogger crab. And we're talking the most basic, basic level. You know, it can be kind of boring and anything for the basics. Push-ups, uh, I just did push-ups two days ago. But the thing is, is that can seem boring to a lot of people, um, but they're important. And we're actually going to get into here in a little bit about how you can actually reframe the way that you look at those things in order to yeah. make them exciting, if you will, while you're doing them. So yeah. before that. Well, yeah. you know, and these basic movements, you know, obviously we put these in our programs and uh, we're at the middle of the podcast, which is everybody who's ever listened to a podcast knows this is the time where everybody with a podcast wants you to buy the shitty supplements from their sponsors. It's now a word from our sponsor. We don't have any sponsors and we don't have any uh, supplements for you. Sorry, we make programs. Damn it. Damn but it. honestly, like, I don't even care if you buy them. No. Uh, Check what? out our free sheet on YouTube. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is what we want you to do is decide what's important to you. And if yep. you've been listening to these episodes, you, you've picked up on that theme by now, right? But decide what's important to you and act accordingly. And if GMB can help you with a program, then, you know, we'd be honored to serve you. But otherwise, do, do what's best for you. Do what's important. If you already know how to make a program, then yeah, you can get all the information on YouTube. YouTube is amazing. Right. The reason that trying to learn how to train from YouTube is bad is basically that you spend all day watching YouTube videos and end, you still know jack shit about how to put them together. That's yep. what a program is. But because you went down the rabbit hole and you lost your focus on what you should have really been focusing on. <laughs> yeah. And this is the thing where, you know, instead of doing the boring work of just doing what's written down, you go looking for new exercises and you find yourself spending hours and hours on YouTube. Right. So <laughs> You know, I've never done that before, ever. Ever. No. Ever, ever, yeah. And the thing is, it's like, <laughs> exactly. We we do all of this stuff, too. We're we're not enlightened guru masters. Um, well, I mean, I'm a little lighter than you. <laughs> I think. Um, but, so, but, yeah, so let's talk about, then, some of the things that we do specifically to keep things interesting. And some of this stuff is you know, built into our program, built in our community. A lot of it is just stuff that you have to, you have to become aware of yourself and where your head is while you're doing things. After, after the novelty wears off, after you get the basics down and you know what you're doing and you're no longer in that, like, this is new to me mode, you have to be in charge of bringing your head to what, you're doing rather than letting it go to all of those different places. And these are some ways Absolutely. that we try to do. That's right. So I'm going to start off by giving um, an example of myself. And so um, last weekend, 
I walked 48 kilometers, which is 30 miles. And the thing is, we all know how to walk. If you can walk, if you're, you have the body that is able to walk, you've been walking for quite a while. And the thing is, is walking 30 miles can get pretty damn boring. I mean, just I to be bet. honest, all right? I don't have my headphones in, you know, I'm, I'm just walking. Um, I decided to actually make it a community event. And so what I did was uh, last week made an announcement that I'm going to be doing this and that I was going to be doing um, a live uh, Ask Me Anything on Instagram. And part of the reason to do this was there's a couple of reasons. One is to, again, you know, connect with our community, things like that. But to be honest, part of it was also to help me just to continue to keep walking and right. let me to be able to communicate with people and, and have this connection while I'm cranking out these mi or miles and kilometers, okay? So the big thing here is if we're looking at community, there's a lot of different things that you can do in order to take those things that you feel are boring and include other people in that with you, and it really changes the the dynamic. So another example would be our Alpha Posse community that we have. And so let's say that you are going through and you're performing push-ups. Well, um, the thing is, is you can get on there and you can post your log. And just simply by making this public and letting people know that you are doing something right. gives yourself a little bit of pressure. And it'll, it'll, some is what we need sometimes is we need that pressure sometimes in order just to keep going. And so that's one example of this. The other thing is that I suggest for everybody to do, if you are an alpha posse, if you're listening, you are an alpha posse, if you're doing something, reach out, create a new thread or whatnot, and just create an informal little mini challenge, if you will. So for example, let's say, um, hey everybody, let's just do bear walk every single day for the same basic, basic, basic bear walk and just do it for like 14 days or something like that. It doesn't need to be a month. It could even just be a week, you know, seven days. But the yeah. thing is, is getting other people involved with that. You're not doing anything fancy, literally just doing the first progression of the bear walk. But each day, logging what's going on. What this is going to do is help you to bring better awareness to that particular movement. You're going to learn a lot. And yeah. if you reframe the way you look at that and just say, hey, listen, what's going on? What did I learn from doing this today? It's, it's going to change everything. It's going to take that boredom out of it because you have that purpose for that day. You have that community that you're doing it with. And then it really becomes fun. And that's a big thing about this. Um, this is why I started the study group for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We don't pay money. It's, it's free. We just get together. We just go over the basics. You don't I'm have, uh, uh, you don't have don't like have a top sensei guy. Exactly. No, it's just us. And what we do is we get together and say, okay, here's one thing that we want to focus on. And it's literally just one basic movement. And we drill the crap out of it. We end up spending like two hours just practicing this one single movement. And I'll tell you what, it helps so much because when we go and we start, when we go to the other practices where we actually put that into motion, literally by rolling with another person, we find that we have that now. We're very comfortable doing that. All the reps that we did, the quality reps and, you know, doing it over and over and over led to us being able to perform that at a higher level later. So that's that community thing side of it. There's also other things, of course, you can do, but, you know, let people know that you're doing something, get people involved. Even if you, um, you know, aren't on the, you know, the community site, do this in person. So if yeah, you're you can do this with any right group now, that you have access absolutely. to. Do you know, this with your friends. Yeah, do it with your friends. If you're doing GMB, if you're not a trainer, that's fine. Get some people together that you're inter that are also interested in doing this, and just practice it. See what happens. Okay, we're not saying teach it or anything like that. It doesn't need to be that way. You're looking at just using each other in a good way to help each other to continue to focus on this. So, anything to add to that, Andy? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, it can, it can really be, it can really be easy. Like if you, if you are doing nothing in the mornings and you want to start doing something in the mornings and you could, so I have a friend that he does like uh, 20 push ups every morning, not a ton. It's not like he's getting his full supply of strength training there, but he's just doing it and he, he feels better afterwards. 
And what yeah. he does is every time he does it in the morning and then he has a couple of people he just tells, oh, I just knocked out my 20, right? That's great. That. That's really good. Right? That's great. And that's all. That's all. And, you know, if they want to do something and tell him about it, then that's cool. But he starts it from himself and he just says, hey, I just, I just did this. And I feel great. You know, I yeah. should do something too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's really hard. good. No, no, that's really, really good. Um, yeah. Fun. Fun is the other thing. So this is yeah. the next thing we can talk about is fun. And, you know, say we have a particular movement that you've been working on and the bear walk is a great example of we can use for that. Look at different ways of doing it. And I'm not talking about variations where you're actually looking at progressions and, and things like that. I'm talking the, the actual just basic move that you're working on and try and think about it uh, from a different point of view. So, for example, you can try changing up your hands, a uh, mm -hmm. hand position when you're performing the bear walk. You can try and purposely pigeon toe walk when you're doing it just to yep. see what's going. Go backwards, go side to side, like little things like this. Even though you're still doing that movement, you're changing one simple thing in there. And it really, really changes the entire way that you can look at it. The other thing, too. You can have a particular theme. And so let's say um, this theme today is strength. Just by saying in your mind, okay, today I want to focus on strength, but you're still doing that same movement, that reframe can change the way that you put the focus in your body. Same with flexibility. Let's say, okay, today I want to make the bear, the bear walk about flexibility. So you maybe bring the focus more towards your hamstrings and say, okay, am I really feeling it as a stretch mm -hmm. when I'm working on the bear in this particular position. The other thing you can do is let's say control and you can actually change up the tempo, the speed at which you're performing the bear walk. And so just that simple reframe um, makes a big, big difference. Uh, the other thing I like to say about keeping things fun is doing them in different places. And so let's say that you're always doing the bear walk, the same place, the same time, whatever. I got into the habit of doing this when I was learning the one-arm handstand, and, and Jarlo was the one who gave me a big slap in the face because he was just like, dude, you got to do them in other places. And the reason why is simply it, it keeps it fun because you're kind of having to learn that movement again. Even yeah. though it's the same exact move, simply changing where you do it is a big, huge difference. Uh, Andy, we were just talking about this before the podcast, and going from, say, a matted area to a yep. hardwood floor. And you talk a little bit about that because I just was just like, yeah, that was perfect. So, well, so we had to move dojos because uh, they closed ours down temporarily to prepare for the 2020 Olympics here in Tokyo. Uh, so we have to move to another dojo and we are for the next month, we're kind of temporarily training on a hardwood floor. And uh, so I was, you know, practiced about two and a half hours last night and I was just telling Ryan earlier, man, my legs are so sore from doing the same things that we always do. Yep. But the way you use your feet to grip a floor versus being on mat and the amount of absorption of, of force yeah. is completely yeah. different. And so I'm using doing the exact same movements, the exact same very basic things. I'm challenging myself in ways that are very, very different. And to be honest, I'll be extremely glad next month when we're back on mats because <laughs> it's very difficult. But it does remind me, too, that it's a good practice to do periodically. And also, uh, you know, we talk about like all of these floor movements and things on, on the floor. Doing this on a harder surface sometimes, I wouldn't say the practice when you're brand new to back roll. Yeah. But yeah. after you've been doing them for a while and you get pretty good at them, a hard surface reveals all those little bumps that you need to smooth out. And I actually practiced all of my tumbling on hard floors and spent years working on that. And that is one reason why I, I don't really do a lot of very flashy stuff now, but all of the things I have are very smooth. Even last night uh, we were talking about this and I was able to do, you know, uh, diving rolls, back rolls, that kind of thing without making very much sound. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's something that, you know, it takes practice, but it really smooths out those movements. And that's perfect because, um, and it actually kind of leads into the other thing. The next thing that we're going to talk about is like specific movements. And, and I actually brought up earlier about the handstand and I mentioned, you know, doing this in different places mm -hmm. when Jarlo, I'm, 
the way that things change is I, is I was practicing on a flat surface using my using hand board. balancing board, my hand balancing board. And I remember I was at Jarlow's house in his garage and I was on his Olympic weightlifting platform and I was trying to do handstands. I had the one arm handstands. I just, I could not get them. And I realized that his garage was slope. There was a little mm -hmm. slope, tiny slope. And then also the board that I was using was a little warped, to be honest. And it was probably from him slamming weights. I don't even know. But the funny thing is, I was like, okay, I was so used to doing it elsewhere, similar to what you were saying, um, yeah. you know, going from a mat to the hardwood floor. It actually made my handstands better once I had the basics down, of course, you know, get the basics down somewhere. But by changing things up, doing it on a different surface is really going to tax your body in a different way as well as tax you mentally because you're having to learn something new almost while you're doing it. And it's a wonderful way to keep things interesting. And again, I do suggest, you know, first get the basics down, whatever you're doing so that you actually have that particular pattern down. But once you have that down, changing things up, I think is just so important. Um, another example, this is a huge example would be, um, where if you were, let's say, um, always on a treadmill and you're running on a treadmill or even just walking on a treadmill, taking that off road, um, mm -hmm. it's going to completely change things up because uh, there's so many other di different dynamics yeah. going on. And walking the on a path versus walking on a sidewalk uh, in an so urban area versus walking on like in the woods. Yes, These are all very exactly. different experiences of the same activity. Right. And, and that, and yeah, and I was going to lead to that too. It's in terms of like, for example, going out in the woods or things like that. There's, it, it just makes it also more interesting, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, just the, simply for the fact that you are in a different location instead of a gym, looking at TV screen or something like that. Yeah. Uh, again, looking at the handstand, coming back to the handstand portion of this, there's some ways that we can make slight changes, if you will, in order to keep these more interested is let's say you're working on a handstand, and the goal of your handstand is just actually to try and stay up there longer. Um, a lot of people would just focus on the standard handstand position where the legs are together, the legs are straight, toes are pointed. But there's nothing wrong. In fact, I encourage people, once they get to the certain point where they're able to hold that handstand a little bit, to actually try different shapes with the legs. And so, you know, straddle your legs, bend your legs. Um, move your legs and the thing is is yes it's going to change the position of your body enhancing but the thing is is by doing that is actually going to force you to get better and figure and um, keep the training very interesting and actually fun while you're improving your stamina while you're improving the strength while you're improving actually your flexibility and your control it's going to make your handstand better overall um, yeah. You know, if we move on to things like locomotion, uh, we've already talked about this with the bear walk, you know, going from uh, changing the, the, the way you look at it, if you look at strength, flexibility, or control, maybe changing up the uh, speed or things like that. Again, if you're always doing that on the mat, maybe try it without a mat. Go outside, do it on the grass. That mm -hmm. changes things up, like, considerably. Right. Considerably. I love and another that. one that I love for uh, locomotion type stuff that uh, people don't really think about a lot is if you have an area where there is a small change in level and I'm talking yes. like, like on and off of a sidewalk kind of thing, not something right. that's huge, not onto a box because you can't walk right, right. on a box. Right. Yeah. But doing these, uh, you know, bear walks, crab walks, monkey yep. frogger, these kinds of things on and off of just a very small rise changes them really, really considerably. And another thing is uh, we talked uh, in an earlier episode about developing flow, about a lot of different variations and ways to come up with new variations for things. So uh, if you go back and listen to that one, you'll see a lot of things that we can uh, that you can try that will make all of these locomotor and sort of movement pattern type exercises uh, a little more interesting without changing the exercise, right. doing it in a slightly different way with a little different emphasis that will give you, you know, more control. And, you know, in those examples, that was specifically the value of, you know, focusing more on these things, even after it starts to get a little boring, is that you develop this smoothness and flow, yeah. which lets you apply them more easily to a wider variety of situations. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. 
remember doing a video. I was in South Africa, Cape Town, and I did a video where I was actually going, uh, looking at these level changes while I was doing locomotion, going from like bare and then going up on benches and around stuff. And I actually forgotten about that. That's a really good one. Another thing we look at are pull-ups or chin-ups. Yeah. Um, any kind of pulling exercise that you're doing. You know, a lot of people would just focus on the bar or even just the rings, but how you know you could look at a tree limb as long as it's sturdy of course and a door frame again as long as it's sturdy but completely changes up the dynamic and Mm -hmm. not just for the fact of how you're gripping it but actually how you have to change your body slightly in order to accommodate for whatever you're using and so there could also be things where um, if you're using the rings and you're always using them at a higher height where your legs can hang free you could change it up where you can lower the rings, where it's forcing you to actually sit down on the ground with your legs crossed and practice mm-hmm. pulling from that particular position as well. You can change the rings, the height of the rings, so one will be higher than the other yeah. um, in order to focus on that, uh, you know, the mantle pull-up, uh, if you will. But there's a lot of different ways to change this up. Um, the other thing that, I, that I've been exploring with recently, I just started doing it this week, and that is – um, when I'm performing my chin up, what I'm doing is I'm pulling to that top position. I'm holding for five seconds. I lower to 90 degrees. My arms are at 90 degrees. I hold for five seconds. I lower to 120 degrees, hold for five seconds. I go to a full dead hang, hold for five seconds. Then I do an explosive chin up afterwards. So again, similar to locomotion, which you're changing the tempo at which you're performing that particular skill. There's just so many different things that you can do with that. It's still a pull-up. It's still a chin-up. But the thing is, is it's how you're doing it is going to um, completely change up and keep things interesting. There's so many different things you can do with these basic skills that are still going to improve and get you super strong. Going to look at new flexibility because, for example, the, the one that I just gave you there, holding at 90 degrees, holding at 120 Really, it forces you to bring that awareness of what's going on in your shoulders. Are you, mm-hmm. you know, shrugging your shoulders or are you keeping them down like they should be? And then what happens is your body's talking to you and helping you to realize that maybe you need to work a little bit more on your flexibility uh, for that. Um, some other things, squatting. Squatting is a huge one. You know, a lot of people just talk about ass to grass, trying to get the squat as low as possible. But how about using a different levels for your squat. This is another option. So for example, a video that I put out, I don't even know when I put it out, but uh, the elevator squat where you basically start standing and you stop at each floor and each floor would be a couple inches down. So what you're doing is you're pausing. It's very similar to the the chin up I mentioned earlier where you hold at certain degrees. It's the same Mm -hmm. with the squat. You can perform that. Um, Some other things you can do with the squat, different feet position. Now, I don't necessarily encourage you to do this if you're under load, if you're using a barbell, but if you're doing a bodyweight squat, please, please try different feet positions uh, when you're working on your squat. It's not only going to help you to become more aware of what's going on in your hips, your knees, and your ankles, but it's also going to get you stronger in those other positions, and that's also important. Um, you know, Coming back, I always say this in the seminars that I teach, the purpose of the squat for me is not to look at being able to squat um, in one position. It's to be able to get in and out of that squat from any position. And so what that means is taking that squat and trying to do it in different ways, a uh, different leg position. For example, you might have um, your left leg. You squat down, but you bring your left leg forward slightly. You're still in your squat, but your legs are actually not in the same line. Um, the other thing, too, if you could look at a Cossack squat, if you will, where you have one leg extended to the side and just holding that. So it's still the squat, and I know that's more of a variation than I was talking about, but really kind of reframing it and looking at these different positions with your feet, different heights, or whatnot. Yeah, and these are all just ways to repeat the same thing, but not just do more of it, but to be to find ways to feel like you're getting better at it. Yes. Right? Yes. Find yes. new ways to get better better at it. Find different ways to challenge yourself in things. Find different ways to make it interesting and and remind yourself of the value you get out of it, that you are yeah. gaining more control over this, more mastery. You're, you're getting to the point 
there's, you know, that quote that, you know, amateurs practice until they get it right. Professionals practice until they can't get it wrong. Yes. And we're not saying that you need to be a professional bear crawler. Nobody does. <laughs> That's the lamest job description on the planet. I'm Don't a professional mover. Uh, I've got two guys in a truck and some blankets and that, that sounds lame to me. That sounds like a really poor way to live. But I also think that you can find things that, you know, movements that are valuable to you that you do get a benefit from and you don't have to be a professional, but you can get better and better at them and you can yeah. find ways to deepen your mastery of these things that you find are valuable and that you enjoy and uh, well, you can train yourself to enjoy them even after they would have gotten boring. Right? Absolutely. And that's the GMB method, right? And that's what we're after. And so that's why we're always focusing on the basics. And, right. and, and I say always focus on the basics. If you're in GMB, you realize that, that we have so many other variations, progressions, and things like that. But we always want to come back to those basics and check. And that's where the AAA framework comes in and we assess what's going on so we can do that. But variations we can use to keep things interesting that's also important but we're really trying to focus on looking at building our capacity to be able to perform these particular movements at a very high level and what that's going to do is carry over to the other things that we basically are why why are we really doing this it's not to do more gmb it's not that it's for a particular thing and so one thing i do want to say about that is that um and i bring this up with all of the candidates that are going through the uh, apprenticeship that we have is when they're going through, they're doing so much work and they're doing the same stuff over and over and over and over. And a lot of them want to jump, you know, to an advanced version of whatever's going on. And, and sometimes they do and we have to pull them back. And what we do and we explain for that is, you know, they say, well, this is just kind of boring or, you know, I'm doing it and I'm not getting anything out of it. Well, let's reframe this. And this is what we tell them. Think about what did you learn from what you just did? Okay. It can be the bear crawl. It can be a pull up. It can be, it doesn't matter. Okay. It's talking to a person. Okay. Are you aware of what's going on and what did you learn from that? Now this can be that exact moment or it can be the overall session. And we like to use it as an overall session rather than just individual movements, because that can be a bit tedious as you're <laughs> going through your particular workout. But if yeah. you look at your, if you look at your session and you say, all right, what's this, what's one major thing that I learned out of the session. If you look at it that way, you'll never have a bad workout again, ever, ever. Even if that workout wasn't your best workout in the world, that's fine. What did you learn from it? Where was your awareness when you were doing that? that helped you to be able to pull that learning uh, out of that session. Do that, and you're never going to have a bad session again. So that's a big one, and I still use that a lot. And because this also goes with the handstand, because a lot of people can get frustrated when they're trying to do something and they can't do something. Um, again, that's another topic, and we've talked about this before, but reframing the way you look at things, bringing the awareness into that movement, especially the basic movements, and when you're doing the basic movement, say, okay, what did I learn from this today? And this mm -hmm. is why whenever you come back to the basics, you're not dropping down a level. You're actually using this upward spiral of which you're coming into it with a different mindset. Your mind is open. You have a better understanding of it so that you're able to learn something that you maybe didn't know about the particular basic movement before. Yeah. And also, you know, a lot of this is just knowing what's important to you so you can you know, maybe it's okay to be bored with something if it's your most important exercise and you know right. that you just right. need to keep doing that. But maybe the things that are less important, maybe that's where you can get some more of your variety. Maybe that's where you can, you know, mix things up if that's what you really need to do, right? <laughs> Sorry, I just had a dodgeball thing. Mixing up the buys, mixing up, you know, <laughs> muscle confusion. I don't know why dodgeball, that movie just popped into my head when you said that. Sorry. So... All right, let's wrap this thing up. So basically what we're after is, is you need to focus on making sure that you're dedicated to getting in the work. Really, right. that's what it comes down to. And, and um, you know, make each repetition count, but do as many repetitions as you can. Uh, and what I'm talking about is not necessarily in that particular set or things like that, but over right. the long run. We're looking at the long run here. So 
the more repetitions that you can perform at a high quality over time, the better you're going to be. And the only way to get anywhere is by practice. So Yeah. And just getting as much practice as you can is, you know, it's, it's obvious everyone knows this, but getting as much quality practice as you can is the way to get better at something. And so if, yes. if it's really important to you to get better at using your body uh, and to be able to have control of that and, and build that autonomy and build that ability and capability to do the things that you want to do and you know, to have that confidence with you all the time, if that's what you're trying to get out of this, then it takes a lot of practice doing these things and yeah. you know, feeling the control and feeling the awareness and the mastery of those movements. Yeah, that's really, really good. Uh, bringing that awareness to everything that's going on. And you know, comes back to that, and we can kind of leave with leave with this, and kind of give you a bonus tip, or let's say a bonus challenge, if you will. You mentioned that you had that friend who would do is uh, twenty push ups every single yep. day, and so that's what I would like to challenge all of you to do. I want you to find one movement that that you're like, yeah, I got this. I own this movement. I can do this, no problem at all. Okay, a bear walk might be that particular movement. I'd like you to do it for just seven days straight, though. Okay, it doesn't need to be a month or anything like that. Every single time, though, that you do it, and I'm talking like maybe a minute, maybe two minutes at the most when you do this every single day, just think about what is that one thing that you learned from that that day? That's it. And so once again, choose a movement. It could be the bear walk if you would like, and do that every single day for one to two minutes. And then each day when you're finished, say, okay, what did I learn? And to give an example, okay, it could be like, well, I didn't really realize how tight my hamstrings were when I was doing this. Or, um, oh, wow, I'm actually turning my hands out when I'm doing this, and I didn't even really realize that before. Or, oh, I bend my arms when I, I bend my arm when I bring my hand forward to place it on the ground. It's not a bad thing. There's nothing bad about any of this stuff. It's simply bringing awareness into what's going on in order to learn something new that you hadn't noticed before in that particular movement. Absolutely. All right. Well, get bored, folks. Get bored. Yeah. New t-shirts. All right. (laughs) Thanks for listening.